Hi friends, and welcome to the True Speaks podcast with Jessica Lauren. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm so stoked to be here with y'all. I started this podcast because I believe that one of the best things we can do is share life and conversations with others about the big things, about the hard things, and about the important things. And I am so excited to invite friends from all different places for some incredible conversations. Hey friends and happy Tuesday. I am so excited for today's episode with my friend Carissa. She is bringing all the wisdom, you guys. She is so full of life and joy and I just hope that I can be a fraction of the person that she is as a wife and mom someday. She is just such a light and such a joy. I just love her and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation today. We are talking all things fostering and adoption and how she has cultivated a really intentional culture in her family. I met Carissa and her husband for the first time in person about a year and a half ago. And I was just really impressed. I could just tell from the moment that I met them how intentional that they were with their daughter. And it's been so fun seeing that and also seeing their family grow over the past year, which we're going to talk lots about. If you have ever considered fostering or adopting, or you know people that foster and adopt, I think that this episode is going to be such an encouragement and also super helpful to know how to love on the people in your world that are doing this, that are loving on these kiddos. And I just think it brings so much perspective. So I'm so grateful for Carissa. I'm so grateful for her heart. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear from her. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my sweet friend, Carissa. Hey, Carissa, welcome to the podcast. Hey. I am so excited that you are here. I This has been kind of long overdue because I wanted to make this happen last year and all the things happened. And so now we're doing it, technology and everything this morning. We're making it happen. Um, we've only met in person one time when I did your family photos a little over a year ago, but that was just such a sweet time. We did your family session. We got dinner afterward, and I love sitting and chatting with you and Andrew and just hearing your heart, and so I'm really, really grateful that you're here today because I know you have so much wisdom um, to share with us, and so I can't wait for that. (laughs) Well, that time was the funnest. I mean, legitimately, it was one of our favorite memories of 2018. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and we treasure those pictures so much and the oh. time talking after was wonderful oh so, my gosh I, I wish you could do them every year <laughs> just be a yearly tradition oh my gosh well I just can't believe that happened in Colorado of all places because neither of us live there and so it's just yeah, the best that was literally the best yeah that was just providential and perfect <laughs> it really was it really was so I would love for you to just share a little bit about who you are and what your life looks like right now and just all the things that are going on in your world. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, Well, I grew up in El Paso, Texas um, and live here currently. Um, Moved back like three years ago. So um, let's see. I grew up here. I met a guy when I was in high school and he was in college and had a major crush on him Um, and uh, crush on him hard for like three or four years I love it. <laughs> until I uh, uh, won him over. <laughs> he says I should write a book about how to get your crush to fall in love with you. Stop it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like without ever like directly asking them out or even telling them, not that I'm opposed to that, but I just never went that route. Totally got him to fall in love with me. So 
Amazing. <laughs> if anybody needs any tips, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But we became best friends and started dating and then got married in 2014. We moved. Um, and in 2016, yes, 2016, I would get that year wrong, uh, we had our first daughter, our biological daughter, Rory. And then sometime that year, we moved back to El Paso, where we're close to family. Um, and so that was a really good choice. <laughs> um, so now we've been here for a few years, and we love it. We've fallen so much in love with the city. We, yeah, just watching the city grow and develop has been a highlight of our lives. Um, we, around the same time in 2016, we just decided to do everything that year by a house. <laughs> and, um, and we rebranded my photography business to be, uh, both of us because Andrew fell in love with photography too. And so he started shooting weddings with me and, uh, we just kind of took off that year. The next, in 2017, we shot a bunch of more like friends weddings and then, and then from there it's just totally taken off and we love it. It's so much fun <laughs> like literally every wedding we fall more in love with each other and we leave every wedding wanting to get married again <laughs> oh that is so fun I love that so much it's so fun people like come up to us at the wedding and be like this must just be so much fun and I'm like it is it really is I know I'm working right but it is it's just a blast like we're just obviously having a really good time <laughs> so we we love it and so we're still doing that and Andrew's an, also an engineer so he's a really an anomaly really um an engineer brain and an artsy brain is not something you often hear of he definitely is yeah stands out at work but <laughs> I think it makes him better at both both things um yeah and then we started preparing to become foster parents in 2018 and you always think that you'll be the ones like they say oh some people do it in three months and we're like oh yeah we're gonna be those people who prepare within three months but we totally didn't it took us like a year so <laughs> we prepared for like a year all the classes and trainings and stuff we had to do to our house and then became uh, certified in april of 2019 amazing amazing gosh I love you guys y'all are just like the best I wish we lived closer so we could just get coffee oh yeah I tell or have dinner together I know I'm like oh but it's fine it's whatever I'll take what I can get work yeah oh my gosh that's so fun well something that I really admired about um you and Andrew when we did your session and then got dinner afterwards was I loved just seeing the way that you guys parented Rory. Like even throughout your session, you see a lot um, of the behind the scenes of people when you photograph them, yeah. you just do. It's just one of those things, you know, that as a photographer, um, you just see really intimate parts of their life when they're in front of your camera. And I really, really um, admired the way that you guys um, channeled just her heart. And um, I know that you guys are really intentional in your family to, to cultivate a certain kind of culture in your family. I can see that you guys have been really intentional about that. And when I left that, that day that we got to spend together, I was like, man, I, I want to parent my future children like that. Like, I want to cultivate that in, in my family. And so I'd be really curious to know, like, what does that look like for you guys to cultivate such an intentional environment with your family? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. So <laughs> really, really sweet. Um, well, actually, it in some ways it came about for us through harder circumstances. So 
we're, especially I am a little, I feel like I'm a little bit weird, although I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel this, but just don't verbalize it. <laughs> but I, I never was like, a woman, even when I got married and stuff where I was like dreaming of like, I, I want to have all these kids or I want to have kids. Like I didn't even really know if I wanted to ever have biological children. Um, and so we were trying not to get pregnant and we got, we got pregnant like five or six months into being married. We found out in like July and we'd gotten married the previous November. And so we, <laughs> and, and I was really upfront about this. So I have no, I, I know a lot of people won't relate and I have so much like empathy and love for people who go through infertility. And mm-hmm. but I felt like I was so weird because I was struggling with the fact that I was pregnant when so many, and I felt so wrong about that because so many people struggle to get pregnant and would be thrilled to get the news that I had gotten. But I actually like burst into tears when we saw the pregnancy test, not out of joy, right? Like I was so distraught and my whole pregnancy was really hard physically and super hard emotionally um, because of that, because of it being such a big surprise and not what we wanted at all. Um, and, and just like, I had so many ideas of like dreams and ideas for my business and other parts of our lives. And it was like, no, I can't, I think like the night before we found out we were pregnant, we we're like having a conversation where I was like, don't you think we could wait like 10 years to like even like, <laughs> that, you know, like, um, ironically, we were like, and God's married. like, LOL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. I totally thought God and I were on the same page and I was like, you like, I'm not going to get pregnant right now. Right. Like a lot of things have happened. We're good. Like let's let right. things for a little bit. And God was like, Haha. you know, that was a one-sided <laughs> conversation. <laughs> You, th- you thought you were talking to me. You're just talking to yourself. Right. <laughs> so, um, so honestly, like I, we really feel like that process actually has made us the parents that we are. Mm. And we talked about that a lot when we're pregnant. Cause we really struggled through that, like the aspects of getting pregnant when we didn't want to, um, a lot through our pregnancy. And, and we kind of, we realized though partway through, which was more encouraging was that, you know, we're like, well, I think this is forcing, making us be more intentional about this and versus, and there's nothing wrong with this, but versus if we hadn't, and then it was, you know, five or 10 years, it was like, all right, now it's time to start our family. And like, Mm -hmm. we're going to have our first. And then two years later, we're going to have our set, you know, like really gone into it with these plans, right. These like whole layout. And this is our season of life. And, you know, we're going to, do this with our work so that we can like focus this way, you know? Um, and, and again, nothing wrong with that at all, but just realizing that that was not the life we wanted to have. And so God was giving that to us. He was bringing parenting into our life and kind of forcing us to figure that out in a more intentional way. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it was honestly that process that made us more head into parenting with the mindset that, our, of course, our child was a huge priority in our lives, of course, but that she, she comes into our family. We don't like become a family because she was born or, or that we don't revolve our marriage, especially in our personal, like who we, each of us is around her, mm-hmm. but that she's now a part of our team. Honestly, in a lot of ways, I think of us as a team. <laughs> I think and, that's so good. Yeah. Like wanting her to be a part of the decisions that we make, but not everything, you know, okay, well, yes. we're going to live here because of you. Um, but because we're a team and what's like the best for the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I just, and I just always, I mean, when I found out that I was going to have a, a girl, I was so thrilled <laughs> because <laughs> I just had always really looked forward to what did, did when we found out we were pregnant, I was like, all right, if we're having a girl, I'd be really happy. You're like, God, can we be on the same page about that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to have a good, you know, to get to be close to her and, and walk through things with her and, and she and I are so close. Um, but I don't know. She's just really special. I mean, a lot of people would attest to that. I'm not totally biased. But, like, she's just a really special kid. And she, honestly, like, going back to the pregnancy thing, I was so terrified of all the things that I would lose mm-hmm. by having a kid. And, and that the right answer was that I should just be happy because I was get, getting a child and it's wrong to, like, be thinking about the things I would lose. And I had so many fears, like I was letting fear control that. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, God brought the things that I had wanted to grow in, the, the dreams that I wanted to pursue. He brought those actually through becoming parents. Like I wanted my business to grow and thrive, but I super struggled to be disciplined. Like I, I'm a free spirit and was like, I don't have a schedule and, you know, Mm -hmm. and he gave me a baby and all of a sudden I super valued my time and was like, all right, you know, she's napping from now to now. And I would get things done in her two hour naps that I couldn't have done for like a week before, you know, (laughs) and just like way more, um, present in what I needed to work on. And then when, and then in being with my child or my husband and my family, you know, um, and that's just one example, but like a way that God bringing her into our life just really did make us grow in all the things instead of succumbing to the fears that having a child meant, oh, well, now we're not going to be connected to each other and, like, we'll catch up in 18 years when our kids are grown, you know? Or um, I won't, like, pursue my dreams because I have a child. And so, you know? Right, absolutely. um, Yeah, instead of it actually, like, forcing us in a good way to be more intentional with those things. And honestly, that's the best explanation I can give for why you saw what you saw is that, like, we have more approached her being a part of our family and being in relationship with her. That's huge to us. Like having that relationship with her is so, so important to us. Um, And honestly, I think it's just not believing that it has to look the way that you feel like you see everybody doing it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the big, been the biggest thing was the way that we got pregnant and it feeling unconventional. And, you know, I think a lot of people were like, why are you pregnant right away? You know? And I was like, yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. You're like, same. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so then it'd be like, all right, like how are we really going to do our family instead of this is already outside of social norms. We're already pregnant so much earlier and younger than, what is socially normal. So then let's not be a socially normal family either. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've always done things like just if we go to like a conference, we take Rory with us and she just entertains herself and does her own thing. And I would be looking around and everybody else is like, Oh, I couldn't go because I have little kids, you know, that kind of mentality. Like I can't go do that. I can't travel. I can't go to these things. I can't serve people in these capacities because I have a little kid, you know, mm. um, as if, 
it, your child can't be at things either, you know, but right. we've done all of that. We've traveled with her. We've taken her to conferences. We want her to be a part of serving with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe there's some limitations, like I'm not saying there's no limitations, but I think my opinion is that there's a lot of limitations we put on that aren't real, you know? Yes. And that's just well, assume. Yeah. And that's exactly what I saw with you guys when we sat and got dinner. I mean, we got, we were there for gosh, like, I mean, we closed the place down, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and we were there for hours and yet, and she, it's not that she sat there with her hands crossed, like listening to us right. the whole time, you know, but it was just that like you guys fostered her, her age and her youngness and her childlikeness, but mm-hmm. also she had like parameters and she, you know what I'm saying? And, right. and it didn't cause frustration on either end. And I'm not saying, I know you guys aren't perfect. Perfect. And I know there aren't frustrating, like, I know that there are frustrating moments and all of those things, but, um, it was just a really beautiful thing to see. Yeah. I mean, it it looks like a team, like it looks like you guys bringing her into your world and saying, Oh, we can, we're going to go get dinner with a friend and she's going to come and it's going to be great, you know? And that was really cool. Oh, I'm so, so glad. Yeah. We love for her to be a part of, part of our life, like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, two separate things yeah yes she's she's around a lot of adults (laughs) she has a lot of aunts and uncles so she's (laughs) around a lot of adults and I think that's been so great like she you know knows how to to hang out with adults (laughs) I think that's so good I have always told you know when I was younger I also was around a lot of adults because I was the oldest and sometimes just happens you know um and I think that being able to communicate with an adult my mom always said growing up you know, no matter what our age, like once you get to the point where you're like talking and stuff like that, obviously not like little, little, but, um, she was like, you should always be able to look somebody in the eyes and, and say hello and to respond when they ask how you're doing from a young age. And I think that really cultivated something in my life and in my siblings lives of, you know, even, even starting a business in high school and working with adults, you know, it's like you, you have to know how to communicate with adults, you know, almost at any age. And that will really help you in the long run. That's going to help Rory so much in the long run to be able to look somebody in the eye and say hello and, you know, and obviously still be her age and fun yeah. and carefree and exactly. all of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I think that, that that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that your mom did that. I, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it is, it's such a, a combo of, of them being comfortable around adults, being able to communicate with them. And then, like you said, letting her be her age. And I think that's been one of my favorite parts of parenting is like wanting and getting to like create a world of wonder for her, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like letting her imagination soar. Okay. So I really want to talk about like how you guys got originally involved in foster care and that whole process for you guys, because obviously it was a process. Um, so I just love to hear like, how did, where did that even begin? Even in your heart, not necessarily like the process of, you know, getting certified or whatever, but where did that even begin in your heart and your marriage that the Lord, cause obviously kids weren't really super on your radar. And now you have quite a few littles around your house right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Well, actually, okay, so it's kind of a weird story, but it just is what happened, and it's why we're where we are. Um, I didn't grow up, like, or neither Andrew and I really, really grew up with, like, tons of adoption or foster care going on around us. Like, it wasn't a common thing. Um, Not that we, we knew some people, but it wasn't a big 
theme of our community or our extended family. Um, so that's why there's no explanation unless you believe like in the Holy Spirit <laughs> for this. But I was literally like 12 years old. I was driving back um, from, from like a retreat kind of like camp week, youth camp kind of week thing. Um, and, and the week was not about adoption or foster care. Like, yeah, I mean, that was not even close to any part of the topic. And I literally remember sitting there and just all of a sudden thinking, someday I'm going to adopt. And I don't even know if I'm going to get married. I don't know if I'm going to have biological children, but I believe that I need to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just point to that as like, it was a clear calling. Like there was no, it wasn't a question. It, it was literally the first dream I had, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if I look at, cause I'm a dreamer and I love dreaming of like, this is what I want to do, you know? Yes. And that was the first one really. Um, I was only 12 and I don't, you know, there's really no logical explanation for it to be something that I was automatically passionate about. But I was automatically and that never wavered. Like I never lost interest in it. It was just something I always knew that I was going to do. Um, And then like later on, before I graduated from high school, I was a part of a community for a summer that had a great attitude about helping the orphaned, the fatherless. Um, And we spent like a lot of that summer praying over different situations. And just that was, I think, a beautiful thing for helping cultivate Mm -hmm. this passion that I already had and give me like a place to join with other people, you know, um, and so then when Andrew and I started dating, it was really important to me that that was something, you know, that he cared about too. And so, you know, so it's definitely a conversation, one of those hypothetical conversations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are so important though, you know, when you're in those seats, cause you want to get married and then be like, Oh, we are going two different directions, you know? Yes. And I, and I've learned through this journey that that's not an uncommon, like, it's not uncommon for someone to be like, Hey, I would really like to foster. And they're supposed to be like, no, I'm completely not up for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've heard those and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I, you know, felt the need to kind of make sure that this was one of the things that, you know, yeah. he was at least open to or interested yes. in. So he was definitely, I mean, he was very much like, yeah, I've always thought that would be cool, you know, like mm-hmm. definitely a general like openness and excitement about it. Um, even though he also didn't, you know, grow up with that. Um, and then, and then when we got married, the town that we lived in, the pastor at our church, he, they had adopted three children. And while we were there, they had just adopted their third. Um, and he preached a sermon. I mean, I would recommend it to anybody about adoption. That was just literally like the whole church was like 400 people like crying, you know? Mm. Um, it was so beautiful. And, and it was like very real to them kind of just getting home with their son and their son like crying out in the middle of the night for his dad, for him, you know, and just the beauty of that imagery to how God adopts us, Mm. you know? And I like, for me, it was like, this is why I love this. Like there's no better picture in my mind (laughs) Of what God does with me, like that I am his child, a hundred percent, completely a part of his family, but I wasn't actually born that way, you know? And that's crazy. And so cool that like, I get to have that family and I, I do have a beautiful, wonderful earthly family, but if I didn't, I still have a family Mm -hmm. because God has made me his child, you know? And the ability to offer that to somebody who doesn't have that earthly family is just 
I just can't, I don't know, imagine something I'd want to do more. That's amazing. <laughs> but, um, and so that sermon for Andrew, that was like what cinched the deal for him was like, yes, like this is where our hearts are. We're, we're a hundred percent. We're doing this. Um, and, and so then, and that was part of it. Like when we got pregnant, there was part of me that was a little bit disappointed because I'd always kind of hope that even if we did have a biological child someday that we could adopt first. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, overall, I'm super, super glad for the way it happened. And it's been right. right. Yeah. Um, because of like the, that teamwork element, I think getting to do it with Rory has been so wonderful. Um, so, so anyways, then we really knew it for us. It was always a matter of like, not if, but when. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then also like, I think when, uh, it was a few years ago, we kind of did this like photo project, uh, with a ministry that works with like single parents. And I sat down for several hours with a young woman who had grown up in foster care. And I mean, yeah, I won't share the details cause it's her story, but it was just awful. I mean, like just mm. heartbreaking and awful. And ultimately, honestly, a little bit after I met her that it ended very tragically. So that her story just, I don't like, I can't share this story and not give credit to her because she is who opened our eyes to foster care specifically. Um, cause the passion for adoption was always there, but, but we drove home from that trip and we were like, wow, you know, maybe foster care is something we need to do. Yeah. Um, hearing about the bad foster homes and yeah, just the brokenness of the system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on one side, you could be like, oh, that's awful. It's so broken. I'm not going to get involved with that. But the way we felt was like, that's so broken and that's so awful. And we have to help, you know, we have to do something about that. Um, so then that kind of gave us that, that you know, sitting on the back of our minds, like always blinking back there, foster care, foster care. So then, yeah, at some point in, I don't know what year that was, 2018, I think, then we started, you know, thinking, okay, is it time for the next step for our family? Um, And it was just a process of looking at the different options and ultimately settling on foster care. Um, And so, and, and with the hope, I mean, for sure, our hope is to adopt, but, and, you know, selfishly, that's what we want the most, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but, but obviously believing in the process of like, either way, these kids need a place to have a family, even if it's right. not legal, you know, right. ever legalized, but that they have a family um, while they, yeah, when, while they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so that, desire and and I think we just like really reached a place with Rory and with our home and our careers where we're like we're in one of the most stable places we ever expect to be and so we have a stability to offer those children obviously we always would have loved to give them but having like stability uh yeah um a a place to give them like comfort and safety Mm -hmm. and love and and we had had like the year kind of of preparing and before deciding, we just like felt really overwhelmed with God's like love for us and the love that was being poured out on our family by others and by God ultimately. And we just like, we're like, what do we do with this? Like there's so much of it and we have to give it 
to somebody else. Like we have yeah. to share it, you know? Um, we just, and like, I remember the photo shoot with you was like, we, when we were like deciding about doing that, we are like, yeah, like this kind of epitomizes this year we've had and why we're like heading into this next step because we're so like, we just feel so loved. And we felt like getting those pictures like captured that season for our family of just being filled up is really the Mm. best way to put it. And I really think it was obviously in preparation to be poured out completely. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you guys, so then April of last year was when you guys got your first placement then? We, so yeah, we actually got a call. We got certified and we got a call about our first place, the call about our first placement uh, a Mother's Day weekend. Okay. And we said yes to one child. And then um, we got him like later that week. And, and I was literally telling Andrew this the other day. That is literally the only like parenting plan we've ever made. And it lasted two weeks. So like we didn't want to get pregnant the first time. And then we prepared for foster care and we're like, we're going to be foster parents. We're going to have a second child. And we were like, we're not saying yes to more than one. We're new at this. Like we have to pace ourselves. You have to have boundary, you know, like all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we have two kids and this is like the new season. So we like got him and we're like, all right, this is it. Like, this is like our new season. Like we're focused, you know, all of that. And then it was like two, three weeks and we got a call and he had a baby sister. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we said yes right away. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can't say no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Basically, amazing. As, we, as soon as we even heard that she like was, had been born or whatever, then I was like calling my Facebook. like, so is there a baby? Like, are you going to like call me? Because I want this opportunity. Um, yeah, so we went to being parents of three kids under three years old in like a matter of a month. Um, which was crazy with a newborn. So it was a super fast transition to, yeah, overnight. And yeah, yeah, lasted like two weeks. And then, and then God was like, here, something new. (laughs) I really think a lot of times, not that like God does these things ever to like spite us or something like that, but I just think he knows what will actually build our faith and like draw us closer to him. And so I feel like you're definitely not the only person that I've heard say this. And I've very much seen this in my life. Like a lot of times I have this plan that I'm like, this is surely the best way. And God's like, no, it's actually not. Like It's actually not what I have for you. (laughs) But I'm always so grateful. Like I'm always so grateful afterwards because I'm like, oh, like I didn't know. I didn't know what the best way was and you did. And I'm so glad that we did it your way because my way... Like I wouldn't have had, now you have, you know, little people in your home that you're like, oh, you can't probably can't imagine your life without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely not. Oh yeah. We were revisiting the other day, our, like the, the process of deciding for the third, our little baby. And, and I'm just like, well, obviously, I mean, we, we didn't really have questions in the process either, but I was like, even if it came up that one of us was like, oh, actually I was like feeling so unsure, you know, that it's just like, but I mean, we literally at this point could never imagine not her being here you know like it's they are our family a hundred percent and yeah we couldn't I can't imagine I'm being any different but it was a crazy thought I want to talk about because I've heard a lot of people say like when it comes to fostering and um, foster care and like that kind of stuff like they're kind of afraid to branch into that world because they're afraid of 
being hurt, I think, or like, you know, like loving this child that there's a good chance that they might not permanently be with you, that it's very much a seasonal thing. Um, Have you guys wrestled with that? Or what did that look like for you guys to kind of navigate those feelings? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, Okay, so I will tell you, literally, I don't know, almost every person, like uh, grocery in the grocery store, at church, like any context, uh, one of the main responses I get to us doing foster care is I could never do that because it would hurt too much when they leave. And 100% honestly, my response is, yeah, I can't either. You know, like I couldn't either. And, and I think that there's this, I, I feel this idea and I've had people directly make these comments that's kind of like, I could never do that, but good thing that you are. <laughs> and this kind of like idea that somehow, because I'm a foster parent, I'm either immune to that or I'm a better person. Mm-hmm. You know, there's kind of this like feeling that like I'm a good person and, and that you like, ought, before you do this, you're automatically like a good person because that makes you capable of doing this. And I'm like, when people say that, I'm like, no, I'm a hundred percent there. I, I, it was no less of a risk for me than, than what you're saying. Like, it's great that people acknowledge that because it's true. Like it would, and it would, and it will totally hurt if that happens. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, so it's like, I can both in both ways, I can say, yeah, I can't do that, but I am, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't do it. I can't handle it. It's going to break me, but I'm going to do it. And I am doing it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make me any more immune to the hurt and to the heartbreak that could be coming. Um, it doesn't. And it's not something we were oblivious of. I mean, at all, I remember when we got the call about our son and I, and we said, okay, hold on. Like, we'll talk about, we'll call you back. And we hung up and I turned to Andrew and I was like, I like, just want you to know, like, I think if we take him, like, we probably won't be able to adopt him just because of the whole, like what the whole situation, what we knew of the whole situation at the time. Um, and, and it was, I think like, and, and we still said, yes, you know, like it was good to be able to just start there. So for us, it was such a, a a conscious choice heading into foster care before like we ever met him that we were going to love completely this child who came into our home and treat him and feel about him that he is family Mm. and we knew that the biggest risk in that was our hearts you know that we were giving him our hearts and some people approach it differently like I'm you know some people more have a different mindset of what who are doing foster care but for us we're like at this point and he's a little guy like he needs a home to come to that he feels securely there's no like in between and and yet like I don't know some people would maybe be like oh but that'll hurt him later if he like goes back but he had no like he came to us with no healthy attachment like he didn't we were mommy daddy right away but so was the person who brought him you know like Mm -hmm. everybody like he had no ability to truly bond with somebody until obvious I mean now he's like super bonded to us but like it took time for him Mm to to healthily bond and not just attach himself to any living being that he could like get his hands on. Yes. And, and so we had to be a place of security and to completely embrace him. I I honestly believe that's been the best thing for him Mm -hmm. to have this, you know, we're your parents and, and not this weird in between thing. Um, 
And we knew that we were risking that. And there, like early on, there was a point where there was a relative who we heard about and stuff. And we like, <laughs> we walked through all the emotions. I was literally like, would have taken months if that process had continued. And it would have been like a whole thing. But it was like, literally, as soon as we heard, we were like seeing it, like put the kids to bed or like sitting on the couch crying, like, we're gonna lose them. And like, you know, and, and, but it was good to just be like, but this is what we're doing. Like, we're willing to walk through these emotions and we're willing to feel this heartbreak um, if, if it comes to that, you know? Yeah. And so I honestly don't think it's a setting yourself up to not feel it. You know, I don't know. Like maybe if you did this for years and years and years and it happened over and over, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't speak to that, but, but I feel like the best thing we could offer them was our hearts. Yeah. And that's what we gave them even if they broke. And we have been really on, Andrew have been really honest with each other throughout the whole process, which has been, I think the best thing mm-hmm. for keep, uh, being there for each other. Um, and, and, and we've talked about like, you know, if they get taken from us, like we can take a break. Like there's no like pressure in dealing with that heartbreak to be like, all right, like we have to be ready to give our hearts to someone else right away. You know, there's no, and then we can change our direction of how we're pursuing adoption. Like there's no putting no shame labels on that. Like if this just breaks us past, you know, it would feel like having my own children taken away. I can tell you that for sure. Like it, it really would. Um, but, but it, it would be worth it. I yeah. would never regret that I was their mom for the time that I got to be yeah. their mom. I know? think that's so valuable for people to hear because I think too, like sometimes we can think that God's called us to just kind of hunker down and like live our lives, you know, and that like you saying like your, your biggest risk in doing this was your heart. Yeah. God called you to do that is yeah. like such a beautiful picture of the gospel. I mean, it really, really is. And it's such a beautiful picture of like what the Lord has called us to do and be a part of that. Our life isn't about us. Yeah. Like, it isn't about our own like happiness or joy or satisfaction. And yet a hundred percent of the time when we go after what the Lord has for us, there is joy and fullness yeah. and satisfaction that follows that. And yet it doesn't mean that it's easy. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. that's just like such, such a powerful thing. And I think it's so important too, just to recognize that like you, you would grieve, it would be heartbreaking. Like it would be devastating, but, but also like those kids don't make that. They didn't choose this either. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like that's what gets me at the end of the day mm-hmm. when, when, yeah, that like feeling of like, well, I can't, you know, because of emotionally. And when, I, when, when it would be easier for me to choose that is like, well, I actually have a choice and mm-hmm. they don't, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I feel like that makes my choice easy. <laughs> I don't, like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just to think like the value of one person, like the value of one life that you are, you know, cultivating and fostering and caring for. And like that, that little life, that little heart, that little soul, like is they're, they're a person and they're just a little person right now that needs food and sleep and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the things, but they're going to be an adult. Like they're going to be a part of our, they are a part of our world. And so it's like, yeah. That this time that you have with them is so valuable and so formative for them, you know, and that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's encouraging to, it's been really encouraging to me to be reminded of that. So my biggest fear for them would be 
them bouncing around the foster care system their entire life. And, and that's like the crazy thing is to think about their future. Like you just said, like when they're adults and their future. And like, when I first met them trying to imagine, like, can I imagine that I'm like his mom at his wedding, you know, or am I not even going to know what what he's doing when he's 20, you know, like, and, and ultimately really the thing that got me through, especially those first like six months of like, oh, those emotional moments of like, and, and looking at my baby and being like, I am the only mom you've ever known for her really. Um, and what if that's not true for the rest of your life? And like afraid of the trauma she would go at this point, go through at this point, um, being taken away. And, and I just having to go back to God loves them more than I do mm. because I feel like I'm the best thing for them. not the best thing for, you know, but because I was saying, no, absolutely. Them, you know, that I love them and that obviously it would be best for them to be with parents who love them and are taking care of them, you know? Um, and that's specific to our situation. Obviously there's a lot of totally, totally care situations. I, it's not like I automatically felt that way. It was a process of where are the parents at, you know? Um, and I think if things had gone a different direction, it would be a different story because my heart would also be a hundred percent for the, the biological mom. Um, and it was something I did always kind of hope would come out of this too, would be getting to have that relationship. But so far we haven't had that opportunity, not because of our end, but because of her end. So, um, but like just, but just really trusting that they, that God loves them more. And so if they leave me and I don't even have the option of knowing what, who they are when they're 20, that I can actually believe that God loves them more. Like, and that's part of what brought them here, right? Like that his love for them brought them here, but, but it doesn't mean that if they leave that his love leaves them, you know? Oh, that's so good. (laughs) That's so good. I mean, like, I feel like that has to be balm to the soul of a mom, like of any mom, like a mom of, you know, fostering or just your biological children. Like sometimes when they, they go places that you don't want them to go and like all of these things that at the end of the day, like God loves your child more than you ever can or will and that you can trust him with that. Like that is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like you said, it's helped me with my biological daughter too. Like it deepening that it through this journey has deepened that with my daughter because of for sure. Yeah. Those fears of, Oh, what if she goes through this and then this, you know, and, and I'm going to, you know, she's just better not, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so much more real with foster care being like, but I actually have no control. And so I don't actually know where they'll be, you know, mm-hmm. and then it'll be true too. If they are with us forever, I will still have to keep doing that and remembering yeah. that God loves them more, you know? Yeah. And that's ultimately what's going to heal them of their past. And yeah. Yeah. Right. That's the best thing I can give them and tell them and, you know, and it pray over them really. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So to the family or the mom or the parents that are considering foster care and adoption um, or just considering stepping into something that's totally outside of their comfort zone, like what would you say to them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say I've been trying to articulate this lately, so bear with me. Um, but I'm like I said earlier, I'm a dreamer and and a lot of times my dreams revolve around like 
oh, this big trip or this business idea and, you know, pursuing this or that or whatever. And I, I guess more, not that they're easy dreams, but they're generally like to, for creating beauty and like have this like kind of beautiful, wonderful, like for the sake of creating wonderful experiences and like a wonderful life. Um, and then, like I said earlier, adoption and now foster care was like the first dream I ever had. And the first six months especially were so hard and not just or necessarily because of the children, like is more like just doing foster care in general and the challenges and sharing your home with the government and <laughs> all, and not that weird place of not of feeling like you're totally their parent, but knowing that at any moment they could be taken away from you, like living in that place had a huge toll on me. Um, and, and yet I never, not that I never had the thought of like, oh, if we stop doing this, then my life would be easier in this way. It's like, not that I never thought about that <laughs> on the hard days, mm -hmm. but I never questioned ever for a second that this is what we're supposed to be doing and that this is what I want to be doing. Even though in the moment I was like, this is the last thing I want to be doing. I just want to sleep, you know, like, yeah. I, just break. I just want to sleep through the night. I just want, you know, someone not to throw a tantrum at meal time, you know, like, or to have to turn in paperwork every single day, you know, like, right. And, and yet like actually like now, which is a good, great thing. We're having this podcast now, not like four months ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it, I've been looking back at that and I've been like, you know, doing this and this applies to anyone pursuing anything outside of their comfort zone. Doing this has freed me from this idea that like the only dreams that you can only dream things that are e not easy, but for lack of a better word, easy or just like openly good, like right. openly easy and that nobody looks at that and is like, that's really hard or, you know, um, you can dream the hard things too. Mm -hmm. And those are beautiful. And, and the good dreams, like pursuing success or business ventures and art, like those cultivate wonderful things in our culture, but so do the dreams that are struggles and that like are you're signing up for struggle and you know that mm -hmm. you know obviously they all come with struggle but I think maybe that's like the difference I'm trying to say is the the dreams where you know right from the front like mm -hmm. that you're setting yourself up for struggle potential heartbreak like horrible things happening and and there's been like such a deep part of me that has been so satisfied and so driven with this purpose, even in the day to, even when in the day to day I've super struggled with just like doing the next step, the next appointment, the next thing is this like underlying like drive and purpose to knowing that this is exactly where we're supposed to be. And that like, there is this beauty and goodness in being able to dream things that aren't, you know, automatically have reward or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like there's a freedom. I mean, it's yeah. free to me, right? Yeah. Like I feel so much more excited about other dreams in the future instead of just feeling excited about the ones that like have those, you know, I guess, I don't know, more glamour or whatever the right word is for mm -hmm. that. But, but that, and it's more freeing to realize that like you can pursue those things and they can be so good in mm -hmm. the hard places and mm -hmm. in the grime and muck they they're so good and specifically 
for the people considering adoption at foster care, you are like, you're coming alongside somebody who you're advocating for them. They're undermined. They're the underdog, the unloved and the ignored. And they are like, you know, you're coming to them. You're saying, I'm going to create a space for you to be healthy and you to heal and heck to even thrive. And then someday be completely so, be so completely lifted out of the dark place that was trying to squander you so that you can dream your own dreams too. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, what could be better for a dreamer than the possibility of giving somebody else who would otherwise not have the opportunity to give them the opportunity to dream, you know, and to like, that would be the best thing to me just to see them thrive and dream. And that's the legacy, like even going back to the beginning of our conversation about my biological daughter, that's like ultimately what even more launched me into this is that's what I want to give my daughter too. Like that's the legacy I want to give her. You know, I want her to have a wonderful life and to pursue things that she enjoys and loves. But I also want her to see how wonderful it is really at the end of the day to get to like be hands and feet for somebody else and to like lift them out of the dark places and go through those doorways, you know, not just walk by them, but like go through them and step into those places and, and be there. And like that, that's what I want to pass on to her. And, and then the opportunity to get to pass that on to these other kids too, who, I mean, who could have just been stuck in an endless cycle of, of that brokenness and continue to pass that on. Right. But instead, God is giving them the opportunity to, to, yeah. I mean, obviously first go through their own journey, but then also to pass on right. healing and right. Love. Right. Well, cause then you I mean, that can affect generations. You know what I'm saying? Like you can stop generational trauma and you know, all these things that have been passed on for so, cause that's what happened so many times. I mean, it, the, the abuser was always abused. Like it's just yeah. like you just, yeah. it's a cycle of brokenness yeah. and a cycle of trauma and just passed down through generations. And so to think that you can be a part of changing, not just one person, but yeah. like, like people, you know, like that's amazing. That's so exciting. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that when I get bogged down by like the broken, you see a horrible news story, or even when I think of their mom, who again, I would love to have the opportunity to love and care for. Mm -hmm. But when I think of her and I don't have that access, I don't, that's not my choice, you know? Um, or, or just the general, like, yeah, horrible stories you hear or other foster care stories I hear and just all, or the, the girl I told you about that, her story ended very tragically. Like when I wait, feel weighed down by those things. And I feel like this applies to someone considering doing this and to someone considering stepping out of their comfort zone is you have to just take the next step. Like when I'm weighed down by that, then I'm like, but you know what? These two kids are right here in front of me. And it is plenty, like it is filling my capacity, if not more than my capacity for sure, (laughs) to love them and show up for them. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting overwhelmed, and I feel like this happens a lot with adoption and foster care is this like, well, there's just so many kids, there's just so many, like, and we just get overwhelmed by this whole concept. And so then we don't even pursue it, you know? And honestly, at points, it would have been tempting to go there too. Um, But but then just like looking at them in front of me and being like, this is where I am right now. And this is who I get to love. And that is huge. And like, because that's going to have generational impacts and, and maybe I don't have the opportunity. Maybe someday I will, but right now I don't have the opportunity to go to the generations before them, but doing this for them now goes for the generations after them, like you're saying, you know, so it's, 
focusing on that and knowing that you are like, it feels like one person in the moment, but really you're impacting. Yeah. Yeah. Generations after. And so don't worry about it that you can't help the thousand kids because who knows the thousands that you are helping by just that, you know, and if we're all obedient to do what's right in front of us and to, to love the person that's right in front of us, if we were all obedient to do that, how would things shift and change, you know, because things shift and change with that one. But if we all, instead of, cause it can be overwhelming when you look at the systems, there are a lot of broken systems, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of broken systems yeah. and it can feel like, yeah, I can't change this entire system. So like, what can I even do? You know, right. but if we were all willing to take that next step, like you're saying and yeah. walk in that and love that person that's right there. Yeah. How would things shift, you yeah. know? And that's exciting to be a part yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've had to think about that a lot with prison ministry too, that, I mean, I'm sure you go and you can't reach all the people that are even there. And then you're probably thinking of all the other prisons and, you know, like, but you're making an impact and a ripple effect. And obviously, like you said, that one life is worth it. Like if you impact one person in your time there, that's so worth it. But actually you're impacting a ton and then you're sharing that and impacting others. And it's causing this ripple effect for everybody. Right. And that's what I love to see is like, I, the Lord puts us all in different seasons and different places, like with so much purpose and so much intent. And it's like, right now I'm not in a a place to to foster or adopt, you know, but, but you are, and you're maybe not in a place where you can go to prison, but I am, you know? And it's like, so we can all do these little things to be a part of the body and to be a part of loving people. And I think that we would probably both agree that it's made us better to be mm-hmm. a part of these things. Like I'm, it, it is a humbling and beautiful experience to get to share, mm-hmm. uh, to share other people's lives and to, to hear their stories and to love on them. Like it's blessed me more than I am certain it's ever blessed them, you know, like yeah. it's changed me and altered my life more than I could ever fully express. And so there's just some, something so beautiful about walking and what the Lord has said before you. There's just so much, so yeah. much joy there, so much fullness there. Not that it's not hard. It's just, just better though. Like it's just better. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So my last question for you <laughs> is what are you learning in this season of your life? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Um, there's so many things I could like, so many things. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's like such a broad question. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that the biggest thing that is that, I mean, uh, along with foster care, there were some other things too. 2019 broke me in ways that I could never have come up with on my own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'm just generally such an optimistic I'm, you know, you've talked about the Enneagram before on your podcast. I'm a seven, like, yes. through and through. like, bring me any challenges. Like, no, it's all going to work out. It's totally <laughs> <You know? laughs> And my optimism ha- and, like, dreaming has never been challenged like it was in 2019, mm. where I just lost the ability to feel optimistic about the things that were going on um, or to dream. I felt like I couldn't think about the future, which is really hard for me because the seven really resides in like thinking about the future, you know, and, and I felt really like I couldn't, my optimism couldn't push past the pain in other people's life. And so like, honestly, a lot of the challenges that started that broke me started because in early 2019, I prayed that God would help me truly 
be broken and hurting for people who were hurting and broken because some things were going on in like our extended family that were so heartbreaking and hard. And my first response is to want to just be like, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. Like, and not be able to, I wasn't able to like really get in that and like embrace Mm -hmm. that and hurt with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so through those experiences, I was like giving that to God and being like, will you help me? Um, actually be able to feel those things mm. uh, because I know that it's actually good to feel hurt, even though Seven doesn't want to believe yeah. that. Right. Um, and he answered in tenfold. <laughs> I mean, like, I thought that he was just going to teach me that for other people, but then he brought that into my own life, like in, into hurting for things that I was going through. And so ultimately, like over the course of the year, a huge thing that I've become so aware of is my humanity. And, and seeing myself as human, like all the ways that I failed in 2019 that like brought me to my end of, I'm a failure of a wife, of a mom, you know, of, of all like just feeling of a daughter as a friend, you know, like just feeling time after time after time, but feeling like a failure. Um, and, and ultimately acknowledging and recognizing my own humanity that I'm a human and I do fail and there's not a season of life that I get past failure you know Mm -hmm. honestly like maybe that's a normal thing for some people to say but for a seven it's really weird to say that yeah um and and to be able like being able to engage with my own pain and other people's pain and feel hurt has been a real process for me to like actually sit in that and not run away from that. And like, I'm not going to get up here and make it sound like I just figured all of that out right away. And it was all good. Like I totally ran away a lot of times and I really hurt people by doing that, you know, and not being there with them in it, like for our pain that we're going through together or their pain, you know, like, but just running away instead and, and trying to find those momentary comforts and pleasures to just get me through another day, you know? Mm -hmm. And that like constantly reaching that brokenness helped me embrace my own humanity and being able to be broken and experience pain and just struggle sometimes has been so freeing. And so I feel so much more at peace and settled in myself and in my relationships. Um, and I think like a huge reason for that is that even though it's like incredibly vulnerable, to, like you would think that's just like a very like non-peaceful place to be because it's so vulnerable to come in a relationship or come before God and be like, okay, I can be hurt and I can be broken and I can, you know, like dread the next day, day after day and day, you know, is that being there actually before God and, and like close people in my life has just given me a love that I never fully experienced before because if they can still love me like that, mm-hmm. then like, what do I have to lose? You know, like if God still loves me there, then why do I try so freaking hard all the time to like be okay and to have it all together and right. have it all in a pretty picture? Like why? Because God loves me in my humanity. Like he sees me for who I am. He sees my humanness and he he's okay with that. Like he's there in that. And, um, that has just 
a deep in, like, I mean, that's like majorly deep in my marriage with Andrew is like being able to be vulnerable before him like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's brought this sweetness in relationship to God. And I think like, honestly, one of the best ways I can sum up what like knowing that with God has been like is every night when we put my daughter to bed, she says, um, we like read her stories and songs and stuff and put her to bed. And then she says, and she'll come out of the room if she didn't say this, you know, like she has to say this before bed. And she's like, you'll check on me again, 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 again. And she'll like say it like 20 times. <laughs> again, 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 and again, 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 you know, and we say it back to her, like, I'll check on you again, again, and again, 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 you know, like, and, and we do like, you know, we go and check on her every 10 minutes until she falls asleep. But, but like that, like, vulnerability and like honesty of her just coming and saying like, will will you keep showing up? Like, will you keep being my safe place and being secure for me and being there and showing up and loving me? That's vulnerable, you know, and real. And, and we do, you know, and God, like I can do that before. I feel like that's been my relationship with God and with the people closest to me is like, will you check on me again and again, and again, and again, again, you know, like, will you just keep showing up? Will you just keep being there, checking on me, reassuring me of my security, my safe place, my not aloneness? Like, will you just keep reminding me that I'm not alone in this at all? And my life might not be a mess, might be a mess. I am probably most of the time a mess but will you keep showing up anyway, you know? And, and that's like the safest, even like what I'm trying to provide these kids in foster, who, from foster care is a safe place is acknowledging my humanity and need for a safe place and, mm-hmm. and knowing that I have that and that the fullest, sweetest way I have that is first by being able to acknowledge that I need it mm. instead of like, oh, sure, that's there, but I don't really need that, you know? Yeah. I thought that being vulnerable would always be like, you know, this open, like anxious, like, you know, your heart is like raw and open right. and uncomfortable before everybody. But it's been so the opposite of like a deep security that I've never to a depth that I've never had before and, and, um, place and safety and, and, I, uh, identity, you know, in, in a secure place. And yeah. that's been such a gift, <laughs> such, a, such gift. a beautiful thing, friend. I love your heart and I love just the, the wisdom that you can share with us from your life. <laughs> like, I know that it's one of those things where you, when you live your own life, you're like, I'm just, just trying to make it. <laughs> but, um, but you're just, you're, the light of the Lord is radiant in you and your love for the people in your world and for him is, mm-hmm. is contagious. And it's such a beautiful thing. And so I'm just so grateful for you taking the time to be here and mm-hmm. share your heart and to share your wisdom and all of the things, um, because it's a gift. You really are a gift to this world and um, to me. And so I'm just really grateful for you. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful for you and honored that you asked me to be here. And so fun to share about the things that we're passionate about. Can't you guys see why Chris was one of my most favorite people? I just love her so much. And I'm so grateful for everything that she shared, I think that sometimes when we aren't walking through certain situations, it's hard to have perspective. And I'm grateful for the perspective that she brought for me to see what life looks like a little bit on the other side of fostering and adoption and 
all of the things that she's learned over the past year, I am just really thankful that she was willing to hop on here and share the hard parts and the, the good parts and everything in between. If you guys enjoyed our conversation today, can I ask you to share it with a friend? I know that there are so many people who have considered fostering and adopting, and I think that this conversation might be really helpful and encouraging for those people. So if a friend came to mind as you were listening to this podcast, send it over to them. I would be so grateful for that because I really do believe that every that this girl had to say today was so valuable and important for so many of us. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Jessica Lauren Photo and stay tuned because in two weeks we're dropping an episode about emotional eating and singleness and all kinds of good stuff. And so it's going to be awesome. Hope you guys are having a great day and we will see you next time on the True Speaks podcast.